Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bare Minimum Babe. So I started this episode with a kind of long rambling story and feels all being vomited out onto this new slash old thing that I bought called an Alpha Smart 3000. Oh my gosh, 3000 that schools used to use in like the early 2000s to teach kids how to type. But it's now loved by writers because it's an offline writing device and it kind of stores it on the device. So there's like really fancy expensive ones now, um, which is how I found this one was because I was looking at that one and I looked up alternatives for that one and they showed me those. I was like, okay, cool. So it doesn't have like Wi-Fi capability to like upload to the cloud and stuff like that. So it's actually saving it on the device. So you have to like plug it into your computer and like upload it. It's like old school. But anyways, the point of it is I started writing on that because it's like distraction free and I needed that for this episode. It has no Wi-Fi or anything. It's literally just a keyboard and you type blah, blah, blah. So you can see why it's like great to get into the flow of writing and not be distracted by like email and notifications and stuff like that. So anyways, I started this by kind of word vomiting on my feels and I essentially condensed it down into... I'm going to do two episodes that will be split. It's not like a part one, part two situation, but instead it's me trying to make sense of the themes I was talking about in my rambling. Um, so today's episode, if you want to call it part one, like I said, it's not a part one, part two situation, but today's episode will be about me being overly honest about my feels lately and how bipolar two kind of plays the lead role in that and how I try my best to embody the bare minimum babe self as an archetype. Um, I think this episode could be helpful for, I don't know, seeing what it's like to have mental health issues and maybe you can relate to it or maybe you see your friend or a sister or a coach or whoever in me sharing just general stuff and you can have more perspective or I don't know, maybe if it's resonating with you, you feel less like you're crazy, like that's like a real thing. Um, and I don't know if there's like a real cause I oscillate on the podcast between like trying to be like, Oh, this is how I do stuff. This is me teaching blah, blah, blah. And then me just like sharing as like a general person. So this is me just kind of generally sharing and being open. And I, like I said, I suppose I'm hoping it helps you feel more seen or just generally like learning more about it just because I know that me writing this in that alpha smart 3000, that it helped me kind of make sense of what exactly it is that I've been feeling in these last few weeks and just, I guess, generally my life. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. So I've mentioned before in previous episodes that I was diagnosed with bipolar two almost a year ago. So that comes with like a lot of, I don't know how many a lot is, I don't know how many it is. I actually Googled before this episode. I was like, what is a normal amount of depressive episodes in bipolar two, which I guess is kind of a stupid question anyways, because it's not normal to begin with. But anyways, I did do that. So anyways, having these down depressive cycles are pretty normal for having bipolar two or even bipolar one. Um, the only difference between bipolar one and bipolar two that I can see, and it seems to be like the main distinguishing feature is like manic versus hypomanic. Like manic is like what you see in like movies where they're like crazy, just having fits, punching walls, like going on spending sprees, whatever. Bipolar two is like a more subdued version of that. It's hypomanic. So you just have increased, um, energy levels. It's like a, it's like a minor version of like manic. And if you haven't had a, like, big manic episode and you have everything else, you're like bipolar too. Anyone that has like, 
one versus the other. You can correct me on this, but that's my understanding of it, which is why I'm bipolar too, not one, because I don't have manic episodes. I typically have hypomanic episodes when really um, it just comes as either like a beginning or a reprieve from the depressive episodes. So you don't pay attention to it as much. You just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I feel so much better. And you're not realizing like, you're not actually like normal better. You're like, way too hype normal. Like you lose sense of what's quote unquote normal. But anyways, that's like background that I just, in case you wanted it. Um, I've recently been in a weird headspace, like I said, because I think I'm in a down cycle or AKA depressive episode of bipolar two. And if you Google the symptoms of a depressive episode, just generally, I rang through with a lot of the symptoms. And if you've ever experienced this before, you know what I'm talking about, but my general symptoms like right now, the past few weeks are just a lack of feeling connected to things and people in general. And then just with that as well, I disassociate, I've been dissociating a lot, um, in a lot of direction, uh, interactions and places. So when I'm saying disassociation, it means like I'm physically at a location and probably interacting with others, but I'm not mentally there. Like for example, I can hear, words coming out of my mouth and I can feel my lips moving and watch the other person for reactions. But it's almost like I'm watching a movie and not actually there. Like I'm kind of just seeing it on like a vision, like on a TV screen. And I don't really have like a connection or grounding to being there. It's kind of hard to describe. It's almost like you're floating above yourself. I don't know. I just Google disassociation. I actually did this because I was like, is this what it is? Um, because it took me a while to figure out that I think that's what it is. And it's one of the symptoms. I'm like, this has to be it. But I really was just like, I was Googling, like feeling not present, feeling not connected to people when I'm with them. Like I just, I was going through motions and like, we all do this disassociation thing generally for like little sections of time of like, you know, someone's talking to you and you lose, like you're in your own mind thinking of like what you want for dinner or like thinking of what you like, you know, you're just not there. But that's different than what this is. Like I'm talking about like a full disassociation with mental health in the sense of like it's much more severe and impactful and just like general well-being. And then I also have a general lack of interest in doing anything. So even forcing myself to sit down and write these podcast notes was a bit of a struggle. Me recording it right now was totally fine because I was I went straight from writing, editing and like just sat down. I was like, okay, cool, Amanda, you're in the mood. You're already doing it like you're in a flow. Just record it. But had I not been in this current flow and had to like sit down and been like, okay, I have to record, I would have, it would have been a legit struggle. Um, and then I'm generally just kind of mentally and emotionally tired. Um, which I, it, the only way I can think to describe it is I don't care what I do each day and I don't feel like thinking about it or making a decision to even come up with options, which is sometimes frustrating for my husband. Cause he, I'm just, he's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I literally don't care. And he was like, you have to care. And I'm like, no, I don't care. If I cared, I would tell you, like, I'm not passive aggressive. I would just tell you, I literally do not care. And it's like a whole thing. So I'm not like, I am like physically tired, like where I could sleep. But even when I try to go to sleep, sometimes I can't sleep. So it's not like, I don't think it's a physical tired. It's just like a I'm tired. And that might be like a low energy thing. Like that might just be a low energy. That might be a better way to describe it. And then the other thing is I'm super irritable, which is what it seemed to like ring a lot on the bipolar two depressive episode is that they kept saying that a lot of times it comes out as irritability. Cause that's what used to confuse me is I'm like, if I'm so depressed, why am I so irritable? Like, why am I so mad all the time? And it's like a legit thing. Like just because you're depressive doesn't mean you're at home crying in your bed all day. It means just like you're in an, some type of negative agitated state. So mine manifests as like irritability. And that seems to be what happens a lot in bipolar two for, I don't know what reason. I'm not a doctor. I didn't like do that much research into it. So 
that's how it manifests a lot for me, which is a lot of issues because I wasn't really taught how to do healthy conversations as a child. So I've had to teach myself as an adult and do therapy and like use my husband as a guinea pig. So it's been a little rough sometimes and we've gotten through it. We're cool. But like, that's basically how I've been learning it. And so I, it's been a lot of when I'm like that, it's a lot of me tempering myself to not just blurt out things and being like, Amanda, this is okay. This isn't a big deal. Uh, pretty much everything that even slightly irks me because it tends to spiral into many different things. It's not just like the socks on the floor with my daughter. Cause I told her 50 times, to pick it up. It turns into an entire thing in my mind where I'm just like, I physically have like a chest tightening reaction and and I'm trying to have my best to stop the reacting because I realize it's an overreaction. So like I've been, I've, I was actually writing an episode previously. Um, it might be a later episode actually um, about like feeling your feels instead of just like being told to like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Breathe through it situation. Like in this situation, I'm like, I know I'm overreacting. This isn't like a thing that needs to be felt. Like this is all me in my cycle. Um, so I try to like breathe and imagine it that breath going straight to my chest, like they tell you in meditation and stuff like that. And then also walking away. So I don't take my irritability out on my husband or daughter, which I'm only partially successful at. I've gotten better, but it's like not great. I typically am just honest and being like, Hey, I'm feeling agitated. I don't really want to talk right now. Is it cool if I go in the other room until I'm like chill? And then I can at least like, you know, and I think that's okay. It's better than like just being sassy in the corner and not like saying that directly. I'm not sharing this with you. So you're like, oh, poor Amanda and her mental health issues. I'm, and hopefully you don't think I'm whining because I don't think I, I don't think I am. Um, I'm looking at my symptoms in kind of like a clinical way now at this point, because before I was diagnosed almost a year ago with bipolar two, I would get so upset and annoyed. like on top of like the terrible way I would be feeling, I would then get upset and annoyed with myself that I was seemingly crazy and then feel worse about myself because I'm like, I would just be constantly be like, why can't I just be normal? Why is being happy so hard? And I would look at other people and be like, why is it so easy? Or maybe is it easy for them? It can't be that like, does everyone feel this terrible all the time? Like, I didn't even know how I should be feeling because I'm just always so back and forth. And I would feel bad about that. And like, why is this such a struggle? Like, this can't be that big of a struggle. Um, but now I don't want to say like, I love it. I don't love it. Um, it's more just like, okay. I'm not crazy, like chemically, I'm not balanced, but like, I'm not just like, it's not just hard for no reason. Like, it's like, a, okay, I have this diagnosis. It's like, you know, when people get the diagnosis, they're like, oh, we can put a finger on it. Like, it's more like, like you can breathe. Like, it's like, oh, this is what it is. So I'm now like more accepting of it. Don't get me wrong. I still get frustrated when I'm in these kind of down depressive cycles, but I realize this is me talking to me in my mind being like, Amanda, this is what you're supposed to be thinking. But like, there's no point really in getting upset or mad the way I used to about it because I can't really control it. It's just who I am. And it's not a phase that I'll grow out of. Like I'm a grown woman. Like this is not like something I'm going to grow out of seemingly. There is no cure. It's just a management for the rest of my life. And that's what everybody said. That's what the doctor says, whatever, right? Until they, I don't know, some magical breakthrough. But honestly, there seems to be bigger issues going on besides like bipolar too. And I, I mean, maybe not for other people, but for me, I'm just like, okay, there's cancer and stuff. People are dying. I'm just crazy. And with my moods, like I'm alive, you know, like my brain and others like it make different amounts of chemicals that create an off balance. And that makes a lot of mood struggles. And that's just what it is. And like for people who are, you know, if you maybe you're listening and maybe you don't, have these issues, like you're 
like your simple solution could be like, well, why don't you take some medicine or take some pills? And I'm like, for people who have this struggle, like, you know, that the pills aren't a cure all. Um, like there was a period of time of like, right after my daughter was born, I had like really bad, um, postpartum and I had depression before that. And anyway, I've just generally struggled. But like, even when I saw help and this was like, I don't know, five years ago, let's call it. I was just like, oh, I just have like a lot of depressive issues, probably anxiety too, because it was like a lot of flip side, which is why I think bipolar used to call it, be called manic depressive depression or something like that. Cause I was like, oh, it made sense. So I kept being treated for depression and then like anxiety stuff and it wasn't fully working. So when I was taking antidepressants, everything just made me feel very gray and they came with other negative side effects that I didn't want to deal with. And then when I got diagnosed with bipolar two, finally, that actually made sense. And that happens a lot with especially women in like their late, um, early thirties or late twenties, early thirties, they are diagnosed as bipolar two because they're like, Oh, this is more than just depression and anxiety. This is bigger, which is what exactly happened with me. And so they realize it's not just depression. So they have to put them, you have to be then on antipsychotics because it's a different thing. Like it's a different part of your brain that's being triggered. And so when I tried this, for example, like one of them gave me a rash and it was an antipsych, it was heavy duty. He was like, stop it immediately. If you get a rash, I got a rash. It was a whole thing. The other one was like super expensive. And like, it was just, the point is like the pills are not a cure all. So like they come with negative side effects. They can be pricey. And overall, like they don't just make you feel normal. They, for me, at least like the depressants overall just made me feel like, I don't know other way to describe it other than gray. Like nothing was great. Nothing was bad. I was just living. And so I'm like, I made the decision like, I don't know, four years ago to be like, all right, I'm just going to get off of them. I'm going to deal with the ups and downs. So that was before the, like the diagnosis. That's when I just thought I was depressive. So point is I'm like, for the most part, if I'm not being on drugs to try to figure it out based on that, like you're kind of on your own using the tools, at least for me, the tools and methods that like previous therapists have given me and then leaning into my friends and family, mainly my husband as a safety net. And like for me, these down cycles seems to last for a few weeks and just kind of come and go whenever I should probably track them. And every time that happens, I'm like, oh, I think I'm in a down cycle, but it takes like, it takes like a couple of days to be like, I'm feeling like trash and more than just tired. Like I, maybe this is a thing. And so me at this current point, I've been feeling this way for, let's call it two weeks, two and a half weeks, probably at this point. Um, and I talked to my friend about it like a while, while ago. And she was like, she tracks hers now and she's noticed patterns and, and she was like, you should track yours. And I was like, yeah, theoretically I should, but I don't feel like taking the effort to track them and figuring out a system because I know me that figuring out a system is going to be a whole thing. Cause I tend to over research and do that thing. And then I'm going to feel guilty if I miss a few days, cause I'm going to feel fine and I'm not going to track it. And then it's going to be inaccurate anyways. And so it's just stupid. So I can tell from my own past experience that seasons tend to do this. And I Googled this as well. Cause that's why there's like seasonal depressive disorder is because it messes with your circadian rhythm, um, with the sun being less. So at the start of fall and winter, it tends to be triggering for down cycles in bipolar two and other disorders as well. Um, because of the sun and then hypomania is usually triggered at the start of spring and summer because the sun's out more, like seems obvious, duh, uh, makes sense. So for example, around Thanksgiving slash my birthday, my birthday is October 29th. So let's just call it like mid October to like Thanksgiving through Thanksgiving, I was going through a lot mentally and it was like a whole thing and I'm like much better now. And, you know, so I suppose silver linings is that if it's really bad one year, I can kind of see what, now that I'm like objectively like, okay, this is what it is. Amanda, you're not just like 
crazy. I can see like and learn from it or at least recognize what it is sooner. So now I'm like quicker at recognizing what it is that is happening. And I'm not just confused by why I'm feeling so terrible and why I feel not motivated. Um, it's just like, oh, you're chemically imbalanced for life. This is, it gets bad around this time of year. Like watch for it and just temper what you do. Like last year I was trying to make like rash life decisions. I wouldn't call them rash rash, but they were like not, they were thought through in depressive cycles and that reasoning. And so that was a lot of times why I didn't trust my own thoughts and feelings is because I would tend to have different feelings and thoughts during these down cycles versus like hypomate. Like it's hard to know which feelings and thoughts to listen to when you have like this type of issue. Um, so anyways, I know it happens around this time of year. And so I talk to my husband about it and to like, be honest, like, this is what I'm feeling, blah, blah, blah. And if it gets really bad, I can call the therapist up again for some, I don't know, check-ins, reinforcement, whatever. So back to why I'm sharing this, it's really just because it's true to how I'm feeling today in these last few weeks. And thinking about this is and kind of how I'm feeling now. And it was honestly one of the reasons I started this podcast in the first place. Um, like for me, my mental health issues make me constantly feel completely disconnected and apathetic towards a lot of things when I'm in this cycle. Like, I don't know how I'm coming across now in this recording. I'm like, I probably sound upbeat because that's just once I'm in the flow, you can turn it on and you know how to like, you know, you get into a flow, you react. And so I'm not like, again, terribly like sassy or sad all the time. It's just kind of goes back and forth, but there's a general underlying feeling of this. And then once I hit the, you know, I'm done with this podcast episode, done recording, I'm going to go back to being down, like in the sense of like, all right, what do you want for dinner? Like, Hey, that type of thing. So because of that, when I look at the, like when I'm in these cycles, when I look at my goals that I wrote when I wasn't in these down cycles and kind of look at what I would like to be doing or what I would like to be like to be doing. And I try to execute them. I can only really muster the bare minimum possible. And a lot, sometimes I don't really feel anything other than resentment, resentment while I'm doing a lot of those things as well. And I know I'm like bare minimum babe. Right. But when I say bare minimum, it's like legit, like bare minimum, which is totally fine. And what I've been able to get away with, but it always creates a struggle when I'm in these down cycles, which seems to be pretty like there's a couple per year and I should track them just so I know how often they are. Um, but it creates a struggle for me to decide all the time, you know, should I pause on this for a minute so I can, you know, breathe and not be like irritated and kind of do things in a bad job or begrudgingly push my way through. And previously, um, I've been pushing my way through because my goals were more obvious and on a path that created easy completion if I just stuck it out and I did it. So like, for example, graduating college, getting a marketing job and a, I want a pay increase with a promotion, like graduating college, you're like, oh, okay, I need to finish this paper. I don't feel like doing it. It's not just procrastination. I'm just like, I'm not there. You have to finish the paper because you want to graduate. You want to, uh, you want to finish the class. And you have to finish a class, you want to graduate and you need to graduate college, right? So I want to get done college. So it's like an easy, like if I do this, I can do this. But with me getting like, I'm a, if you want, I don't know if you want to call it entrepreneur. I'm like, I'm pursuing being a musician and I'm doing podcasting. I'm like, I have a lot of random income streams and there's no one path that I'm pursuing in a sense of like, there's check boxes, you know, like if you finish this, then you'll get to this and then this will happen. And then like, just fine but there's literally no guaranteed success at all. And like, for example, I could be pursuing music for years and years and years 
and nothing ever happened. And I suppose that's okay if I love the process, but I don't think I do. And I don't know, but I'm, cause I'm like in this down cycle, but I don't know if I love it enough to struggle for years, not making any real money to enjoy my life and constantly feeling stressed, never knowing if I'll quote unquote succeed, which is where it brings me today that when I'm in these moods and my motivation is pretty much dead and there is no prescribed path. And additionally, which I haven't talked about, I feel inadequate in so many other ways as a musician, as you know, doing that actual career path, I sometimes can't bring myself to, to do it. And when I say it, I'm like, I don't even know what that means, like a clear definition, because it's not like you just sit at a job, like a nine to five, you show up and do this, this, and this thing for a client. For me doing my own thing, it's like, okay, am I working on marketing today, writing a song, producing a song, practicing piano? Am I reaching out to network? Am I planning my next trip to Nashville? Like I'm blindly kind of building my success path for an industry that's not like super independent artist friendly, which means like, you know, without a big label to pay for costs and marketing, which is, you know, why huge acts like Ariana, Beyonce, Carrie Underwood, whatever can be as big as they are. They're not doing it alone. So anyways, like that's part of that as well is just because there's no clear path. I can't see an end goal when I'm in this state of mind. And I think that applies to even, I mean, I'm giving my example as a musician because that's what I'm you know, trying to do. But I think that applies to anything. If you're like owning a coffee shop, like you obviously want to be a successful coffee shop, but like, you're not sure exactly what that means in the sense of what you can do, which I guess is, you know, I guess it's just the non-traditional path in the sense of like getting a job and executing on things. But like, you know, if you're owning a coffee shop, you could theoretically like, obviously you can look at what customers want, what they're buying, take a look at your inventory, look at your profits, how much you can charge, what's my overhead, blah, blah, blah. And you can probably see like some direct impact on business, but you don't know. And especially in, in creative entrepreneur endeavors, like if you're an artist, a singer, like writer, any type of that, it's a, it feels like it's constantly just throwing spaghetti at the wall, all while feeling like you're not talented, pretty outgoing, whatever enough to be chosen to support. Cause like back in the day there used to be like patrons, which is why Patreon's called Patreon, like Leonardo da, uh, da Vinci, like he wasn't just rich and supporting himself. Like he was just some guy that was being supported by other people, like, uh, like the Medici's and stuff like the big rich people, they, they were supporting him. Like had he been around, around today, he would have been just something like crazy rambling Italian dude homeless on the streets. Cause he can't support himself by drawing like random random anatomical stuff of Jesus. Like he wasn't going to make money of that. People who supported him, like the Medici's, like they liked his art and they found value in it. So it, if you don't have someone that finds value in it, like you can't be supported in a way, you know, like I'm gonna, like, this is a side rant here. Like adding to the fact that a lot of people don't value what you do and kind of belittle it. And like, this happens a lot specifically in music and art and writing and stuff like that. Like if you loved music so much, like you should just perform for the love of it. Why should I have to pay you to perform at my restaurant? Like you don't say that to mechanics. If you love fixing cars so much, why are you charging me for labor? Like that doesn't make any sense. But for some reason that happens a lot in the creative industries, whatever creativity means in that regard. So that's a side tangent, but that's also a part of it as well. When I'm in this depressive cycle and I feel like I'm just existing, I, like I said previously, I try to do the absolute bare minimum and I try to focus on what that means to me in terms of like the importance. And so honestly, a lot of the career stuff just kind of, it doesn't like it over to the wayside. It's just kind of like, okay, what are my most important roles to me as just a general person living my life? And for me, that's being present for my daughter. So being a present mom. And then being a present wife for my husband. So I don't, cause they mean the most 
to me. And so I don't want to impact them in unintended, unintended negative ways. And I, I can only minimize it so much, right? Because I mean, if I could prevent myself from having these like crazy spells or whatever, I, I make jokes about it because it's, it's just what I do. But I'm just like, I mean, I'm legit kind of crazy, right? Like, I, I don't know, I can't control a lot of this. So I can just try to figure out how to deal with it and kind of minimize my impact as much as possible on other people. So for that, that means a lot. Like I was thinking about this, this a lot today because I was starting to get irritated myself that I wasn't doing more for either the podcast or answering emails or doing whatever because my daughter is at her friend's house and has been for the last couple hours playing. And so that leaves me free time. But in this down cycle, I was like, I can't muster it. So I was just doing the bare minimum. And that meant like, okay, I'm going to do laundry. I'm going to wash the dishes because they're piling up in the sink. I'm going to schedule for orthodontist appointments. And then when she gets home, I'm going to ask her about her day. And then we're going to, I don't know, draw or watercolor or watch a show together, whatever she wants. And I also would like to do too. I don't want to watch preteen shows, but, you know, invest in her. And I try to do that at the very least, not make it negative. And again, like I, I, I struggle a little bit with it sometimes, but I try to at least minimize it as much as I can, because if I don't have the motivation to try and guess how to maybe invest in myself and what I want for my goals, I know I can at least do the bare minimum investment in my roles that I, that I value, like being a mother and a, and a wife. So I know my child won't have hopefully a huge negative impact on her. I guess we'll find out in 10 years, like if she has therapy and has things to say to me, which I'm sure she will, but I'm trying. Um, so, and I do this with my husband as well, you know, like, I, I hang up his suit and like, I'm not trying to feel like I'm the 1952 housewife. Like, that's not what I'm saying. It's more just like, okay, I know how I can make him happy. I don't know how I can make myself happy in this current moment, but I know how I can minimize or uh, maximize their happiness, even just a little bit. So like I wash the dishes that have been piling up. So when he goes home, when he gets home after working like a 10 hour plus day, like he makes the meals. That's how we divide our chores. Like I clean and do laundry. He does the cooking. So when he comes home, he has clean pans to start making dinner. And it's not one thing he has to do before he starts his job. I've done part of it for him so he can just start. So it helps everybody too. So, and then I, you know, I also text my friends to check in on them because I don't want to like damage their relationships by not like checking in on them. So I try to be like, I make little memos on my calendar, be like, text so-and-so, ask them about this because like, I really need that. In, like, it sounds crazy, but I'm like, I really do need that or else I just won't think about it because I just don't think about a lot of things in these types of cycles. So I kind of, I try to set myself up for, I wouldn't say success, but at least not a failure. As I'm recording this. And as I was writing, I guess the main agenda of this episode based on my rambling, like I said earlier in the podcast, when I divided them into episodes, at least for me, the main point, I guess, is I found that if I'm struggling, like in these depressive episodes, and I think this applies even if you don't have like a mental health issue, I think just generally, if you're like struggling to invest in yourself for whatever the reason that I know I personally can at least muster some energy to invest in other people I care about by focusing on like, what are the things that are actually important to me? Like I said earlier, and those roles are being a mother and a wife, because I know for me personally, like I didn't have the best like experience with that growing up. And so I know I don't want that for my child in my family that I'm creating. So I know that this is what I want to create for my life at the very least. And so I focus my energy there, even if I can't execute on goals that I made when I was in a better state of mind or a mood, whatever you want to phrase it. Um, 
because I want to invest in people that I know will make a difference, or at least it won't hurt kind of thing. So, you know, like for me right now, I know that me forcing down to sit down to do something I don't want that has to do with any other career goal. I'm just going to be resentful and my, my motivation won't actually trigger. I've, I've tried this where like, if you just get started, you'll be fine. I'm like, no, that only works for me when I actually feel joy generally doing the actual execution of it. So that's why I was like, okay, I'm going to lean into what the bare minimum is that I need to do to keep things at least even keel. And that means like responding to emails when I, that are timely things like that. And making this podcast, for example, was one, because I love doing the podcast. I think it's fun. And I know like at least my friends listen and I know you're listening because you're hearing me, but I want an episode every single week for consistency because I know that's what's working. If I say it's weekly, it has to be weekly. Like it has to come out every Tuesday or else it just won't gain the algorithm track. Like, like Apple won't trust me, that type of thing. So I forced myself to sit down and do it and I could muster the energy to do it because I know that this is something I do actually like doing. And I know that people are listening at least occasionally, and I'm not speaking into a complete void. So generally, I guess what I'm saying is if you're struggling to, to, I guess, kind of invest in yourself or figure out where to put your energy, if you're struggling in that type of like mental, emotional state, like I am currently in the past few weeks and tend to struggle with based on my own personal mental health issues. For me, what's working is like figuring out, like I said, what my roles are that I value and figuring at least what is the bare minimum I can do in those roles to at least maintain like equilibrium and not make it worse. If I can't make it better, at least try not to make it worse. Do like what you can where I can, even if that means just doing the dishes and just showing up to ask my daughter how her day is. And at least if I don't feel interested, at least pretending to feel interested and it has nothing obviously to do with her, it's me, but she doesn't need to know that obviously. And I, she doesn't need to know that I'm just trying to like trigger something inside myself. So I know that I can at least do that action for her and I can like clean our dishes and I can drop her off at softball practice and ask her how it was and engage with her and all those types of things that I care about for her and want her to feel good about doing those things. Thank you so much for having me in your ears for another episode of Bare Minimum Babe. Like I said, stay tuned for next week's episode. Um, Like I said, it's not a part one, part two in situation, but I am going into the other themes that I was talking about and kind of what I was alluding to at the end of this episode, which I'm going to talk about um, the Japanese art of finding joy in daily tasks and how that's so helpful for feeling good. Like I know, at least for me, especially when you're mentally struggling for literally any reason. Um, So I'm going to talk about that. And I think that'll be cool. I did like research for it and everything. Anyways, so if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend you think it could be enjoyable or even helpful for. Um, And it would mean so much if you shared it for me just so I can make sure I get more listeners and hopefully hear my rambling. So back to, I hope you have an amazing day and, or at the very least, if it's not amazing, like might've been adequate. I hope they're at the very least adequate and not terrible. If that's all you can muster. Um, and you're not in a great place. And if you are in a great place, keep on, keep it on, like smile at the next person. Cause maybe it'll trigger them to smile. Like I know when someone makes me smile, I'm like, Oh, fine. I'll smile. So I hope you have at least a decent rest of your day and, uh, stay tuned for next week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.